Hey guys, it's Jacques. Welcome back. I'm recording this quickly before I go get my hair done because it's overdue. You know, I look younger than my age, but when my gray hair starts coming out, you guys know that I had, I started, I mean, I'm not like, if I left it, I wouldn't turn into fucking Santa Claus, but I mean, there's like streaks throughout. Okay. I'm not like full blown, I don't know, like Helen Mirren, you know, but I have streaks of gray and that's when I look my age, which is scary because when the hair's done fine, I look younger than my age and like I feel good and like people compliment me. Oh my God, are you really bloop years old? And I'm like, yeah. Um, But then when the gray comes out, it's not cute. So I'm getting my hair cut, I'm getting it colored and then I'm supposed to go to the gym, but I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm thinking, you know, I usually have that the the dye ring around my head after I get my hair done properly. And I just don't want to like rock up to my gym with the dye, the dye ring, the halo, you know, the halo from hell. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll bring a cap, but then it's kind of annoying because it's like my hair's just been done and like blow dried and everything. And now I have to like smush it all under a cap while I work out. But I didn't go to the gym yesterday. I don't know what happened. I like, I got ready for the gym. I had my protein shake in my bag. You know, I had it all ready to go. I started walking because I've tried to like walk to the gym now, which is about half, it's about half an hour walk, walking like quickly. Cause you know, I'm a big guy, long legs, you know, I'm gay. So I do walk briskly and we're not here for slow walkers. And I got like, I don't know, 10 minutes in. And I had no fucking energy and I'm like, fuck this. And I just turned around and like walked home. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I just think it's because I've been in a gaming stupor for the last maybe like two weeks. And I have come to the conclusion that online multiplayer games are bad. Like they really are. And I'm a big video games defender, but I need to put my foot down and just accept that online multiplayer games are a disease on society. They're a cancer. They're the, they're the cancer of society. So I've just been balls deep playing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously it's based on the original movie from 1974, which is one of my fave movies. And the game is all online. So you play as either one of the four victims or one of the three redneck family members. So it's three people versus four. And the killers, the redneck family, they're like stronger than the victims, right? That's why there's like a disparity with the numbers. And one of the family members is Leatherface with the chainsaw. I prefer to play as the victims. I like playing as, you know, a big breasted girl that has to narrowly escape with her life. It's very fun. So you start off the game tied up in the basement and the basement's like a maze. And by the way, Leatherface is in the basement when you start the game too. So that's scary. And you're tied up and you've got to like get out of your, um, you've got to get out of your, you know, you're strung up to the wall and you have to like escape. And then you've got to get out of the basement. You have to find a lock pick and then you get out of the basement into the family's house. It's the house from the movie. So if you've seen the movie where they take Sally and they tie her up at the dinner table and everything, it's literally that house. So very scary. And then the family members, They have to hunt you down and kill you. They have to kill everyone and prevent you from escaping the property. So, it's an escape game. You can't kill the killers. You can only, like, stun them briefly. But for the most part, if the killers get you, you're fucked. Like, 
and the the kills are very brutal. Like they will grab your face and like shove it down on a live chainsaw. Like it's that bad. And you have to use like lock picks and stealth to creep around. You have to like hide in the shadows. It's very tense. Um the killers have all these different abilities so they can set traps, they can track your footprints. I mean the scariest thing is when you think you've outrun the killer and you're hiding in the bushes and then it says, Johnny has tracked your footprints and you're like, oh, fuck. And then Johnny runs over with the goddamn machete. Um, they have padlocks so they can like lock the doors. So even once you get out of the basement, you're trying to get out of the house and they've like padlocked the doors. It's fucked, but it's so good. The whole game is, like, so faithfully recreated from the original film. Like, they have the actual original chainsaw sound effects. Like, they got the chainsaw from the movie and recorded it. So, it's completely realistic. Even the flowers and the trees and the foliage around um, the farmhouse, they're all, like, the real flowers that are in Texas. Like, every detail is painstakingly recreated it's like immaculate and i play with headphones and it has like really immersive sound so when you're like creeping around the basement you can hear every like crunch of the gravel with every footstep you can hear the buzzing of the chainsaw from the actual direction that it's coming from like it's incredible and um even when you're like locked in the house you can run and jump through the front window like sally does in the movie do you guys remember that scene when actually she jumps out of two windows she jumps out of a second story window at first and then later on in the movie she jumps out of the first floor window and you can jump out of both of them and uh, I do have fun, you know, running towards the window and usually then they catch me and kill me. But anyway, I've just been playing it nonstop. I can't put it down. The first night that it dropped, keep in mind, I was waiting for this game for like over a year, right? Like looking at every leak on the Reddit. I'm literally on the subreddit and you guys know that I hate Reddit and I'm like very against it, but I'm actually a member now of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre subreddit and I'm like starting posts on there like oh my god we need to get like more clothing options for the characters (laughs) like starting posts there the first night that it dropped i played it for 12 hours straight so i finished work at like 5 p.m and i just played it till 5 a.m and it was so great and like it's just so exciting you have to make um you have to make like very risky decisions split second decisions like do i have enough time to turn this electric fence off or can I sneak into the kitchen and, you know, lock pick the lock in time and, you know, not get caught? Very, very exciting. Um, and then I officially decided online multiplayer games are just so bad because they're so addictive. They're like gambling. And, you know, every time you finish a match, there's always an incentive to start a new one. Not just this game, because I played a couple of other ones. Like the first one that I got very addicted to was Dead by Daylight, which is kind of similar. It's like... You're on a map and you've got to turn on these generators to like open a gate and escape before the killer comes and gets you. And then I got addicted to Among Us, if you guys remember, because I watched The Traders, best reality show ever. And the game Among Us is basically the same as The Traders TV show. So I was so like hopped up on The Traders that I'm like, let me start playing Among Us. And that was a blast. And I actually probably would have played that for longer if it wasn't filled with like eight year olds. Like I got sick of playing with children you know (laughs) i did play a few times with my adult friends and that was much more fun but anyway um 
they're just bad. Like, you can't stop playing them. You always get, like, points every time you do a match. So then, you know, you want to put the points in to, like, level up your character. Like, you're a fucking gambler. You're like, oh, I just need to play one more match so I can get, you know, this extra ability or unlock this, like, different colored T-shirt for my character to wear. It's just you're always incentivized to keep going. And, you know, I do love video games, and I do think the single-player story mode um games are on par with like the best films the best books the best tv shows like i obviously got into the last of us um on the pod especially the game uh the sequel part two when i had um zach from the i'm so popular pod that game is like insane like that blew my mind that was like one of the most incredible gaming you know, movie, whatever experiences I've had. Like, that was just wild. And then I'm playing this other game as well recently. And it has, you know, Daryl from The Walking Dead. I can't remember the actor's name. I mean, I don't even know. Is he popular outside of The Walking Dead or is he just Daryl from The Walking Dead? I don't know because I don't watch a lot of, like, modern movies. But he was in a game and they, you know, voice acting, recreated him, you know, physically to, you know, perfection. You can't even tell the difference. It's called Death Stranding and it's set in the future. And you're kind of just like an Amazon delivery driver, but it's in the future and you've just got to deliver packages across this like Nordic landscape, which is so beautiful. You know, it's like big rolling like mountains and and creeks. Like it's fucking stunning. And then there are these like ghostly spirits that come out. It's so breathtaking. Um and it's very kind of just like contemplative as you're playing it and it's just so immersed in the whole thing. And then you finish it and you're done and it's over, right? But these online multiplayer games they never end. There's no end. They're like fucking crack. It's so repetitive. Like even last night, I feel like with Texas, I finally kind of like started to hit a bit of a wall with it where I'm like, I feel like I've, you know, there's only like three different maps to play. And I'm like, now I feel like I, I've i done everything on here. And I'm like, why am I still playing this? But of course, I didn't put the controller down. I kept <laughs> I kept going. Um, but yeah, it's bad. And I'm just like, I can't afford to sink all this time into this. I need to put a ban on the game. So, you know, I think I'm like entitled to like, you know, plow through it for a couple of weeks. I was waiting for this game for like a year, but now I need to put a stop to it. I'm like, this can't turn into what happened to me with Dead by Daylight during the fucking pandemic lockdowns where I think I played that for like two years straight and it's time that I'll never get back. And I look back at it, I'm like, Dead by Daylight isn't even a good game. Like, it's fucking shit. All you do is turn on a generator and go through a gate. And I'm like, and I played this, like, how much of my life did I spend sitting there turning on a generator to run through a gate? It's fucking stupid. Um, so, I've been re-watching a lot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, so because obviously I've just been like in chainsaw mode, you know, just been like wanting to get into everything because basically what happened was the game came out and then it actually, it accidentally launched like too early. So they put it out for like an hour. Of course I was like right there on the dot at midnight to start playing. And then with an hour, they took it off the servers and they're like, oops, sorry. No, it's actually not coming out for another 24 hours. So then I just started watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Cause I'm like, I need my chainsaw fix. And, um, 
I do love the franchise. A lot of the movies that I kind of thought were good upon re-watching them, I'm like, they're not that good. You know, like the remake with Jessica Biel, that one was really popular. I feel like that's the one that most people have seen. Um, it doesn't hold up that well. It's like kind of generic when you watch it again. You're like, oh, yeah. Um, I do love the original, though. It's one of my favourite movies. It That and Halloween, both are the two, like, best kind of um, horror classics. For me, they're both made in the 1970s. Everything in the 1970s, film-wise, pretty much holds up. You know, 1970s was the peak of Hollywood. It's kind of like the peak of everything. Like, 70s music really holds up very well, too. I feel like 1970s, that maybe would have been- If I could choose any decade to- have been, like, young in or grown up in, I might choose the 70s. I think that would have been the best. I know someone that's, like, older is going to respond to be like, no, it was actually really bad because, you know, blah, we couldn't get abortions. Okay, well, whatever. I would have liked living in the 70s. I think people were getting abortions left and right in the 70s, weren't they? Who knows? Anyway, um, yeah, I love the movie, the original movie, so much. It's kind of infamous because it's perceived as a movie that's, very violent um, and very gory when it's actually not. Like, there's not much blood or gore. It's largely implied, but it's so gritty and disturbing that people just assume that it's much worse. They, In their minds, people that aren't that familiar with the film, they think that it's just chainsaws going through people where it's really not. I think there's only one chainsaw death and you don't even see it. It's like off camera. The, the camera um, just shows her face and then it cuts away. Um, So much of the cinematography and the musical score in that movie, if you watch it again too, with like a more discerning eye, it's really experimental, um, which I think makes the whole thing feel really extreme. Like they have all these strange close-ups of like their their pupils and their eyes and these really odd, um, bizarre kind of sound effects going through that is so creepy and unnerving. I love the shot of Pam walking towards the house in her, like, 70s hot pants. She's walking into the farmhouse and it's tracking her from behind. Like, it's just so masterful. And then she gets put on the butcher's hook, of course. I love the dinner party scene where they tie Sally up and the whole crazy family's there and they torment her because it just looks like a sitcom dinner from hell. Like, it's so funny. You know, like, Leatherface is, like, the wife of the family. Um, And I've always loved horror films since I was a kid, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre always stuck with me because it was the one movie that felt so taboo. Like, I remember being a kid and going to the video store and I would sneak off to the horror movie section and look at the box covers, and then, you know, you're looking at whatever. Nightmare on Elm Street Part, you know, 7, or fucking Anaconda, whatever the fuck was out at the time, and then you see, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sitting there, and it's like, this is too much. You Like, it, just seeing the cover sitting there was so scary. Like, you'd be scared to pick it up, because it's so low budget and nasty looking. And, I mean, if you read the... um the behind the scenes of how they shot the movie. It was like a living hell when they shot it. It was like the middle of the Texas summer heat, you know, locked in this farmhouse. I think they filmed, I think they filmed that dinner scene for like, it was like 30 hours or something crazy. I mean, the, some of the stars of it were kind of like left with like emotional stars. Like you would never be able to film something like that. 
now in that way, which is funny because people will complain now about really small things like, you know, Robin Thicke was looking at me suggestively on set. And you're like, girl, speak to the people that filmed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and see how hard you have it now. But you would look at the cover of the movie and, you know, Leatherface is on there and Pam's on the butcher's hook and that disgusting sweaty hitchhiker with the switchblade. Like, it looked like a snuff film. You'd look at this like, what is this doing? Like, how did a snuff film end up in Blockbuster. So, I always, it always just stuck with me. And then eventually when I was old enough to watch it and I could, first I just thought it was a cool horror movie. And then as I got older and, um, you know, had a better eye for cinema and I could kind of understand the themes and appreciate the cinematography and the filmmaking more. Anyway, what are kids like even scared of now? Like I was scared of that. Now that Blockbuster doesn't exist and they can't freak out over like horror movie box art, are they just on the dark web? looking at, like, really sick stuff? Or is it the opposite? Is it, like, you know how you see them freak out over the idol? Or, like, there's nudity in this. Like, this is problematic. Like, has it gone the opposite way? Where, they're, yeah, they're just scared of the weekend on the idol. I don't know. And microaggressions. I got accused of a microaggression the other week on Twitter. It was so dumb. Um, I can't even remember what the fight was about. I'm sure they started with me, because i really pretty sure I don't start fights on Twitter now. Um, it was just someone that was so dumb, like so dumb. And there was no microaggression whatsoever, but we were both different races. I'm sure you can guess the makeup of me and him. And as soon as I pushed back on anything, that's a microaggression. It's like, okay, girl, God, what was it? I can't even remember what we're arguing about. It was so stupid, but they fucking chimed in with some bullshit. And like, I made fun of them and it was a microaggression. Um, one of the fun Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels, by the way, is The Next Generation with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. They both famously filmed it right before they blew up as huge stars in the 90s. I think um, Matthew McConaughey had just done like A Time to Kill or like Days to Confuse, something like that. And I think he knew somebody that was involved in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, and they wanted him to come over and do, like, a bit part that was, like, a 30-second scene. And he's like, sure, and then he ended up on set, and they put him as, like, the main villain. And then Renee Zellweger, it was right before Jerry Maguire came out and blew up. She mustn't have filmed it, because there's no way that if you knew you had done a movie with Tom Cruise that then you would go and film Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So she must have filmed Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then... It was sitting on the shelf, and then right after gets Jerry Maguire. Um, and the movie came out, and it didn't make any noise. And then when Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger both just blew up around the same time, the studio re-released it and, you know, put their names and their faces on the cover as if they were, like, headlining this big tentpole, like, horror franchise. You know, like, Nev Campbell and um, Courtney Cox in, you know, Scream 6. Like, they treated it like that. And both uh, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, like, refused to even acknowledge the movie for years. And I think they tried to get their agency to, like, shut the movie down. And now they both talk about it. And they're actually really good in the film. Like, you can kind of tell, compared to the other B-grade people in there that are just sort of nobodies, you can see that they both had real star power. Because not only is their acting really good, like, they're both very attractive and they just have that star quality. Matthew McConaughey is insane in it. He plays some demented redneck with like a robotic leg and, you know, he just 
You know how he is. He, like, chews the scenery. It really suits something like that. And Leatherface in the movie is, like, a full-blown transvestite who wears, like, a wig and, like, lingerie and lipstick. And I think it's supposed to be comical. Like, it's kind of meant to have, like, a dark comedy element to it. But it actually just makes it scarier because it's, like, Leatherface is already scary. Imagine him in drag chasing with a chainsaw. It's like some libs of TikTok nightmare come to life. Um, anyway, all of the gaming and the chainsaws and watching the Roni reboot and, you know, all the Zeus network, just all of that stuff. I just hit a wall where I'm like, I need to like read a book. <laughs> this is too fucking much. That happens to me. I just go too deep in the trash for a while and I have to claw my way out. And I'm like, I need to watch, like, a real movie or read a book or, like, fucking go go the fuck outside and have some kind of, like, intellectual stimulation. Because, you know, I love my trash, but, you know, it gets to a point where you, like, gorge on it, like, junk food. And then you just feel, like, so bloated and disgusting. Like, I do the, um, the Roni reboot on my Patreon every week. And even if I don't, like, recap the episode, I just sort of talk about stuff going on around it and you know every time i watch that i just feel like i'm just getting dumber because they're just you know we're just watching people sit around and do nothing and pretend to be offended over something that they're not really offended over and i'm like this is like my attention span is suffering like it's literally my attention span i had a good attention span before and now i mean everyone's attention span is going to shit with like modern technology and social media etc but I do not want to have a low attention span because I just think it's very unattractive. Like, a man with a low attention span to me is such a boner killer. That and men that have Nintendo Switches, I think is disgusting. I think I think a man can have a PlayStation and a Nintendo Switch, but you can't- that can't be the only console that you own. If that's the only one you have, like- Every console has a different connotation. Nintendo Switch is either immature, like you just never grew up and you're just stuck on the games that you played as a child, because it doesn't get these big immersive like adult games. So you're just playing childish arcadey games. So I I think you're a child, or it's very like SJW. Um like all the woke losers that I know, they play Nintendo. Having an Xbox I think that's gross, too, because that is kind of like frat boy. Um, It just feels like common. It feels dumb. It feels like straight teenage boy. It feels like frat boy. But it's not as bad as having just a Nintendo Switch. But I'm just not attracted to people with Xboxes that much either. It just makes me think of like a pimply face or just like some dumb, like some dumb jock. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not like obsessed with like dumb jocks. Like some people like, oh, my God, my fantasy is like a hot, white, straight gym jock. It's not my fantasy. I don't want that. So, I don't want to think about them playing an Xbox. So, I definitely think having a PlayStation is the way to go. It's the most attractive of the consoles to own. And you should have a PS5 at this point because my friend has a PS4 still and we wanted to do cross-play on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but the PS5 can't cross-play with the PS4. I was just like, just get a PS5. Like, that's fucked. Like, I don't know. I would be- if I- I would be annoyed. Like, if I was dating a guy and then I'm like, let's do- let's play Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's like, I only have a PS4. And I know that they're, like, gainfully employed. And it's like, 
I mean, yeah, if you're like, I don't know, if you're like broke or something, I understand. But at this point, like just upgrade to the new console. So I don't know, no Nintendo Switches, no Xbox, no PS4. You have to have a PS5. That's it, period. And that's a turnoff. And low attention spans are a turnoff. I think they're disgusting. And I don't like when guys are looking at their phone. I don't like when they can't pay attention to something that you're watching. Um, I don't like when they're flicking through their phone, you know, over lunch. I mean, it depends. If you've been, like, if you're, like, very comfortable with each other where it's, like, obviously we don't need to be, like, talking 24-7, it's totally fine to, like, just sit together and have a meal and play on your phone. But, like, more in the early days, like, I don't want to see you touch your phone, like, that just means that you're fucking dumbass. Um, so I put this audiobook on, and then when it started, I realized like I wasn't even listening to it. It was like one minute in, and I realized, oh my god, Jacques, your mind drifted. You don't know what they just said for the last 30 seconds of this. So I rewound and I started again. I'm like, bitch, you're gonna fucking listen to this shit. And then I did, obviously, and it's like been fine now, but that was a worrying sign. So I'm just making sure I listen to it every day because that can happen too, right? Like you go, I'm going to start this book or I'm going to start this thing and then you don't like stick to it. And then once you get out of the vibe of it, it's over. So I make sure that I'm listening to some of it every day. I'm cutting back on music because actually the music I tend to listen to a lot when I'm walking, it's either K-pop or it's Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny's reggaeton, which is, like, very repetitive. K-pop's obviously very repetitive. It's, like, the same sentence repeated over and over. (laughs) Like, I mean, I love it. I'm like, we need to, like, cut it down a little bit and stimulate the brain a little bit more because, you know, I can't- My life can't be watching that Roni reboot for a few Patreon bucks. Like, that's just way too dark. Um, I have been watching crap lately, though. I kind of got- I feel like I was forced to watch the Republican debate. Not that anyone forced me, but I wasn't planning to watch it. And then I just kept seeing people that I follow, like, commenting on it. And I'm like, oh, now I want to watch it. And then, of course, as soon as I turned it on, I'm like, why did I put this on? Like, this is literally a waste of my fucking life. This is so boring and stupid. And It was literally like watching The Real Housewives. I'm not even saying that to be, like, funny. It was literally The Real Housewives. Like, there actually wasn't a difference. Like, you put a gun to my head, say, can you say the difference between the Republican debates and The Real Housewives? I'd be like, no, I can't. Like, shoot me. Like, it's the same thing. It was like The Real Republicans of DC. And actually, you know what? They're not even housewives. They're, like, friends of the show. They're the friends of the show who are auditioning for a full-time spot, you know, in the White House. So, they're extra thirsty because they're like, oh, my God, I need to start some drama so I can get my peach for, like, full-time next season. So, they just start fights with each other and they're, like, the fakest arguments because, like, most of them agree on everything. So, it turns out to be, you know, like, Roni reboot level where it's five episodes pretending that we're offended by cackling hags. Like, someone on Roni just sort of said cackling hags and then they kept like bringing it up every episode it's five episodes in a row of you going cackling hags like it's not that big of a deal like she kind of meant it as a joke or there's this other episode where they filmed like all night it was like midnight or like 1am the camera crew had like gone home and then one of the women was like okay i'm just gonna go crash at my house like down the road instead of staying at this house and then 
which is like totally fine and normal. It's like they'd already filmed and there wasn't anything else really left to do. And then they all like pretended the next day that they were really offended by it. I don't know if a producer came in and told them to do that or they're just savvy enough to be like, shit, we don't have anything going on. Let's just make this into an issue. But that's what the Republican debate was. And, you know, they all agree with each other for the most part. And even when they don't agree with each other, it's like, you're still going to govern pretty much the same way when you get in. Like, even Trump did. Trump was like, I'm not going to do this or whatever. And then he had all these, like, neocons. He's like, I'm draining the swamp. Then he, like, hires all these neocons. It's like, that's, why why did you hire the swamp then if you're, like, draining the swamp? Like, this doesn't make sense. So, they all come in and just, like, do the same old shit. And they start fake fights with each other. And they have to, like, pretend to be super offended by what someone says. Like, They'll twist their words so much, like, oh, so you're saying we should just let everyone in Israel die then? And the other person's like, I literally, like, didn't say that. Like, what are you, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I was just responding to the moderator's question about, you know, military aid in Israel. And then you've jumped in, like, oh, so what you're saying is, it's like, I literally never said that. Like, this is crazy. You're, like, gaslighting me right now. Like, that's what the whole thing is. And they have these little opening speeches that they've rehearsed, and they're so phony. Like, there's this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's Indian. He's, like, young. He's, like, 37 or so. And I heard him on the Russell Brand podcast, and I, like, agreed with, like, 90% of what he said. I'm like, damn, like, you know, he killed this interview. Like, I'm on board with this, but I'm also like, this is, like, the fakest shit I've ever seen. Um, And he talks like a sitcom character. Like, it's like a sitcom version of a politician. Like, if Parks and Rec or, you know, Veep or whatever had some, like, quirky presidential candidate like it would be this guy and he had all these like little rehearsed attacks and like sound bite sound bites and quips and memes and like he'd you know been practicing in the mirror like he came off like jen shah or like chanel ayan or um what's that friend on atlanta courtney there's this girl on the real housewives of atlanta this season called courtney she's like a friend of the show and Like, the first episode, she started this fight with Candy, which was really fake, and she's, like, swiveling her head and, like, being so extra. And Candy got so pissed off because, like, Candy could see what she was doing, and Candy wanted to, like, knock this bitch out. That's what Vivek's doing, and he has every populist talking point down, and it's, like, to the extent... With his populist talking points, like I said, like, he says the right thing. If you're kind of, like... If you're, like, an anti-establishment kind of person, he's, like, music to your ears, right? But it comes off, like, those housewives that just watch the show for years. Like, they're a fan of the show. So, then they come on and they, like, know what to say. They're like, oh, I'm going to, like, say this and then the fans are going to love me. You know, like, Garcelle. Like, oh, so if I, like, go after this person and, like, bring up this issue, like, this is going to work for the fans and, you know, Sutton and stuff. Like, okay, let me go after Erica then. Because I know that the audience loves that. Like, that's Vivek's vibe. And he has that kind of, like, model minority thing going where it's just, like, they're inherently annoying and perfect because they are so smart and so well-studied and, like, top of the class, which is great. It's, like, amazing. Like, hey, you're – I don't know. He was born – his parents were immigrants, but then he was born in America. But obviously, they have that, like, you know, a lot of those cultures, like Indian and Asian, they have, like, very – they're very strict about, like, you know, studying and, 
getting straight A's and you better get into a good school and everything. So he's like done all that. He's like achieved everything. He's like super successful. But it's like, now you don't sound like a real person because like this is not how a normal person speaks or interacts or anything. It's very weird. You always sound like you're in a beauty pageant. There's this girl in Australia that's, I don't know, she's like, she's so astroturf. She's like a plant. Um, Her name's Maria uh, Tatil. I don't even know how to pronounce her name properly. She's really beautiful. Like she might be the most attractive celebrity in Australia. She's stunning. She's like this Indian Miss Universe Australia. She's so beautiful and she's really woke and she's like bisexual and she's the opposite of Vivek in terms of like the worldview. Like if he's saying all of the like anti-establishment, like populist things, she says every generic ass woke talking point of like, you know, it's a microaggression and we it's just important that we educate ourselves about diversity and we can't be queer baiting because the LGBTIA plus community is under attack from rising levels of hate speech. Like, she does that on every interview and it comes off so phony, but she obviously has this plan to turn herself into this progressive, like, mainstream media darling and she does get booked on... You know, she gets booked on, like, news talk shows and stuff. You know, I feel like she just has, like, good management that, like, push her, but whatever. She's doing it. But, again, she has that, like, Miss Perfect, like, Miss, what do you do when you're finished? Like, you know, kids do that in class. Like, you've got 30 minutes to do the test. You're so smart, little Vivek, that you finished it in, like, 20 minutes. You put your hand up, Miss, Miss, what do you do when you're finished? It's like, you sit the fuck down and shut up and, like, play with your ruler. Like, you know that there's a 30-minute time allocated for the test, but you wanted to put your fucking hand up in front of the class. Miss, Miss, what do you do when you're finished? So, like, everyone knows that, like, you finished first. Oh, my God, you're first. Like, Miss Perfect sitting there with your, like, cheesy smile. That's what these people do. Very annoying. You know who else is like that? Is the Irwin family. Um, Bindi Irwin and um, her brother. And then she even found this boyfriend. I know they're married now. They've got a kid, Chandler Powell. He's American. And he is like one of them. They're all like pod people. It's bizarre. They're like Vivek um, in that they just don't talk like human beings. They talk like television characters and they've got this smile plastered and you know they all they're just you can't find anything wrong they seem like so wholesome and perfect it's like this is weird like this is invasion of the body snatchers like you're not you're not a human being like i mean i don't know i think they're real though i think the i think the irwins that's who they are i don't think there's anything else there vivek i think is just kind of acting mostly which is fine like he would be a cute president i mean he's young so at least there's no one that's like elderly anymore you know it's not like a fucking 80 year old he's not senile he's diverse you know i feel like in the most superficial terms whatever his like fucking policies are like he's like i'm gonna disband the fbi and the cia it's like no you're not but Sure, whatever. I'm. I like what you're saying, bro. Even though I don't believe it, but he would be a good president. Just so it's like, okay, he's well spoken. He's a minority. He's educated. Um, you can't just call him like a racist because he is Indian and he's kind of good looking for a you know a politician. He would look good on the world stage, quote unquote, the world stage in the most superficial way. 
he would look good on the world stage. Like, he, you know, it's like he would have a bit of the Obama effect. Like, young, charismatic, knows how to- sp- Well, he's not that charismatic, actually, because Obama felt more natural. He's- I don't know. Maybe people just make fun of him. Like, someone at the debate said that he sounds like a chat GPT, so maybe that would just be what they would say. I don't know. Who? I don't even give a fuck. Like, he's not going to win. So, um, everything about it was so thirsty and- yeah, everyone's just lying. And I'm like, why are we pretending this is real? Like, I was watching it. And I'm like, why are we pretending that this is a real thing and that we're not just watching, like, a pantomime and a charade? Like, we're supposed to pretend that these scripted quips is is how someone actually feels and then everything they're saying here is what they're going to do once they get elected. Um, And we just, like, pretend. But, like, we all know it's fake, right? Like, there's people in the audience that are like, whoa, and, like, cheering every time you know, someone said something that they liked. So, I'm sure there's some people that buy it, but I feel like the average person knows that it's fake. So, I'm like, I don't know why we're going through these fake ritualistic, like, ceremonies, you know? It's just very bizarre. By the way, last thing, you know who was actually the best? And I say this as someone that disagrees with every, like, I would never want them to be president. I don't agree with anything they say. But, like, Mike Pence was the best one because- He's good looking for like an old dude. He looks like, you know, Buzz Lightyear's grandfather. So he's attractive and he didn't seem thirsty. And he talked a lot about like he's a real Bible thumper. So it was a lot about like, you know, Jesus Christ and stuff. But I'm like, I think that's him. Like, I don't think he sat there and rehearsed a Jesus speech. Like, I'm like, no, I feel like he, I feel like he lives this, you know, this hardcore Jesus love and lifestyle. And he also had some, like, good shade because Vivek, it was really funny, right? Vivek was like, now that we've all got through our, you know, you've all got through your rehearsed quips. Like, he said something like that. And he, the irony is that he rehearsed that himself. He rehearsed calling people out for being rehearsed. And, you know, to position himself as, like, the real one. That was his whole thing. It was like, I'm real. I'm, you know, he's kind of, like, just copying Donald Trump, basically. And, um... When he said that, Mike Pence just went, was that one of yours? As in, like, calling him out on it. And then, like, Vivek was, like, a little bit flustered. And I was like, okay, Miss Mike Pence, like, with the shade. Like, I was, like, snapping my fingers. Like, that was actually my favorite moment because, like, you didn't expect it. And it was that really good subtle sh- It was, like, a nice Phaedra Parks read. It's like you have a Jen Shah there, which is Vivek or, you know, a Chanel Ayan. And they're sort of like, you know, they're doing the clown, not just him. There were other people doing their like clown show, you know, performance too. And then you have Miss Mike Pence giving a little Phaedra Parks with just a quick, you know, jab in there that like hits like a dagger. And I'm like, yes, bitch. And yeah, then I watched the Trump interview and I'm on Tucker because that was like the same time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, everyone on stage is doing their Real Housewives audition to be on the show and to, like, you know, flip a table and throw wine on someone. And then Trump was just, like, making fun of Biden to be, like, too old to walk through the sand. And he said something about, like, Kamala. He's like, it's weird because she talks like she she talks like nursery rhymes. He did an impression of, like, literally, like, one of her speeches. So, it was, like, a dead-on. And I'm like, yeah, this feels more real. Like, even though he's a pathological liar as well, you have one side doing the housewives audition, then you just have Trump sitting there saying Biden is too old to walk through the sand. You're like, period. He he can't walk through the sand. He's senile and 80. Like, so it just feels more real. So that's how I felt about that. 
Okay, so in other news, The Idol was cancelled. You know that, like, The Idol was my favourite show. I was, like, the biggest, most vocal defender and supporter of The Idol. And I actually recorded just, like, literally just then. I recorded, like, 10 minutes on The Idol. And then Chunky ruined it. Like, he's here on the bed. And I started recording. And then he was, like, jumping off the bed with his little claws clattering on the ground. And I was, like could hear like the pitter patter of the feet and I'm like you know get back on this bed like because he'd been sitting here quietly and then the second that I start recording then he starts like going and doing things and then he has this it's not a real bone so I don't give him real bones because then the you know like the meat on it it like rubs on them and that makes them stink like because he sleeps in my bed so I can't have him smelling like dirty old meat and you know they keep the bone for ages and he gets like maggots and stuff like so disgusting so he doesn't have real bones but he has this like fake flavored bone that's like good for their teeth and he brought the bone on the bed and I thought whatever if it shuts him up he can just like keep it there while I record and then he like dropped the bone off the bed and it clattered and banged so loud on the ground and then like I couldn't even keep record, like, I couldn't concentrate. Like, I was trying to think of my next talking point that I was going on about the idol, and I was, like, closing my eyes, trying to get back on track. All I could see was just a vast black galaxy, no planets, just stars in the sky, and nothing else. And no matter how hard I tried to think of what I was talking about, like, I couldn't even focus on it. So, anyway, the idol was cancelled. We love the idol, and... I'm not that mad about it. Like, a lot of people were messaging me um, saying it was cancelled and going, I mean, you know, I'm sorry because everyone knows that I'm, like, an Idol super fan, but it was, like, the best show of the year. But I always felt like it was more of a limited series anyway. Like, when I found out that they were doing it season two, because I know they were trying to do one and they already had, like, ideas for it and stuff, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is meant to have multiple seasons. What the hell? Like, I really thought this was just, like, a capsule one-off thing and then he was going to get back to euphoria so i think that um it's probably worked out for the best i don't think we needed a season two i can't even imagine what he would have done i mean it was the best show and it would have been exciting to get more of it but i also wouldn't want to risk them tainting season one because i think season one was so strong that i'm just happy to kind of end things on a high note i just hate that the haters now think that they've like won by getting the show you know essentially cancelled it's like bitch you didn't win because they put out this fake narrative that this show that the idol was like the biggest flop ever and it's like this show was not a flop it actually rated well enough in tv ratings it did very strong in streaming which is where everything's going now so the streaming numbers were great and it was the most talked about show from Months before it even premiered, up until it wrapped. So, for a period of, like, several months, it was the most talked about TV show around. Like, no one no one was talking about anything except The Idol. And, like, every time an episode came out, people were just, like, losing their fucking shit on social media. It was unbelievable. So, it was definitely a hit. It was so... um It was so impactful on social media. And, the like, people were hating on it, but they were still watching it. So... You know, don't think that, like, it was some flop and that's why it got yanked. They obviously just have, like, I think Sam Levinson has so many things on his plate. And then because it was so controversial and it was, like, it became, like, a circus with how bad they tried to, like, take this show down. It was, like, abs- it was like comical. It was, like, this is a joke how bad this fu- the fucking establishment want to take it down. It's, like, 
<laughs> it's like the deep state coming after Trump. Like, it's like, girl, you were just throwing everything. Like, this is this is absurd. Um, but Sam Levinson, like, he can't do everything. He still owes people another season of Euphoria. I think I read that it's not coming until, like, 2025. I don't know. It was something like that. It was crazy. I'm like, how long can you go between seasons? Like, they're going to have to do a time jump. I don't think they'll even be able to time jump to college. Like... By the time it comes out, they're going to have to time jump to them being, like, 40 and, like, married. with. They're, they're going to be the parents with, like, a new generation of, like, euphoria students. That's how long it's fucking taking. And um, I know that he was working on another project. You know how I said that I had started this audio book before? It was called Ohio. And I was one chapter in. And I'm like, this book must have been adapted to a TV series. Because, I mean, I assume that every book now is. I feel like every writer even if they don't want to admit it because they don't want to admit that they're, like, you know, sellouts or whatever. I, even the best writers, I think, everyone writes with the intention of having the book sold and adapted into, like, a TV series or a film because that's, like, where the real money is. So, I think they're all writing it because of that. So, I was, like, one chapter into Ohio. It's about people in this, like, shitty town in Ohio and it's, like, 10 years after they've graduated and they come back to the town and it's, you know, ravaged by, like, opioids and the wars and automation and, you know, it's just like an American disaster, but the book's so good. And I Googled and I'm like, Sam Levinson developing TV series based on Ohio. I'm like, wow, like, and he'll do a really good job of it, but I haven't heard anything since then because all of the articles were like 2021. So maybe that fell through, but, you know, get to work, Sam. Um, I can't wait for the critical reevaluation of The Idol. It's definitely coming. I don't know if it'll come soon or if it's going to take years, but it's definitely like the Twin Peaks firewalk with me of this generation. Like, the critical reevaluation is going to be huge. Like, people are going to be looking back on it as this, like, cult classic and going about how shocking it was that it got, like, so much pushback. Like, there was a... There was a fucking concentrated campaign before months before it even premiered, beginning with that Rolling Stone story where they tried to me to the whole show, even though every fucking actor from the show, all the women of all different races are coming out going, we're fine. This is a normal set. We love the show. We're proud of the show. We know, we know we're doing something different. The fucking media journalist class class every week of putting out people were being raped on set cancel it like it was crazy and people were just brainwashed into hating it from all of those media articles i have like a very like i have a diverse following so i have all kinds of people and like the normie type people that follow me that are just like you know normal mums that just like you know, watch Bravo or whatever, they watched The Idol because they messaged me on Instagram and they all thought it was cool. Like, normal people that just weren't, like, Twitter-brained with, you know, these stupid Rolling Stone hit pieces and just watched it independent of, you know, without the furor going on, they're like, oh, yeah, it's a cool, sexy show and they, like, enjoyed it. And they were all disappointed that it didn't come back for another season. It was literally just journalists and, like, fucktard Zoomers that were offended by it. So annoying. It's the definition of the, like, if you get it, you get it, you don't, you don't type show. And you know what else is being critically reevaluated? Uh, Addison Ray. So she dropped an EP 
like, I don't know, two weeks ago, and it's unreleased tracks, so they're not new, but basically what happened with Addison Ray? she's the TikTok star, she blew up on TikTok, she became the number one TikTok star with um, Charlie D'Amelio, this other girl, they're very different to each other, like, Charlie D'Amelio is very shy, she's brunette, she's kind of skinny, I think she's going for like a high fashion look now, even though you wouldn't think it, but I think she was at like the Met Gala and she seems to be getting some more like fashion type campaigns and she kind of has the look for it. Um, and Addison Ray is so different. She's like all American. She's like a commercial, like a commercial girl. They're almost a little bit, they're not like Gigi and Bella, but that's the first comparison that comes to my mind of, you know, their different kind of styles. And I didn't know anything about them because I'm not a TikTok person until a couple of years ago. I went on a podcast and my assignment for the podcast was to watch Charlie D'Amelio's Hulu reality show. She has a show with her family and Addison Rae's Netflix movie called He's All That or She's All That. And it was a remake of like a 90s movie that I probably saw when I was like 12. And I thought they were both amazing. They're both completely different girls, but when I watch both of their projects, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get why people love these too. And um, Addison Ray got so big that they tried to make her into a pop star. And she did a single a few years ago called Obsessed. And it just sounds like a Selena Gomez song, pretty much. It was like a Selena Gomez ripoff, but it was like better than Selena's songs. It was really good. And she got made fun of so much. She did a performance on um jimmy kimmel or jimmy fallon and people mocked it and said that you know she's not singing live like she's lip syncing she can't dance like she's fat like she has no talent like why are we platforming tiktokers and she just got like ripped to shreds and the song didn't do that well by the way um speaking of selena gomez fucking selena who i can't stand the eternal victim this dour sour always unhappy, um, always offended by everything, like, just very serious. Um, she's so annoying. She has a new song out, and it's so fucking bad. I'm not even being a hater, because some of her songs are good. Like, even though she literally has possibly the worst voice in the history of pop, and, like, I'm, I don't mind people that are, like, super talentless and bad singers, but... Her voice is like Latoya Jackson level bad. It's awful. Um, but some of her songs, like the production is really good. So, you know, I give Selena her flowers when she has a bop and she does have bops. The new song, I think it's called, I don't know, it's like single again. It's something about being single. It's so generic. It has this like 80s beat, but it's not even like a cool cutting edge 80s beat. It's not even like an authentic throwback 80s beat. It's like this 80s. It's like 80s synth new wave, but it sounds like it came from like stock music. Like the music that the sound effects that people get their music for podcasts and stuff. A lot of people use this website called Audio Jungle. That's what I use. It's really cheap and you just type something in and you just type in like um, upbeat pop music and you get these like little samples of music that you can just buy and use. And it sounds like she just typed in 80s synth wave music and just took the cheap Audio Jungle track. And then the lyrics are really generic, and I watched the music video. The music generic, the music video was generic as fuck and boring, and it's just her like 
being single and like seeing in the mirror and like going out with her girlfriends. And I'm like, aren't you kind of one of the biggest pop stars? Like her songs are pretty big. And sometimes she does have songs that are a little more, she has songs that aren't super generic. Some of her songs are a little bit like, oh, that's kind of surprising that she did this, you know, kind of thing. She's not like, um, who has the most generic songs? I don't know. Blackpink, who else? Who's like the most generic pop girls? Even like Taylor. Um, Taylor's like very generic now, but Selena will like throw you a little bit of a curveball sometime. And this is just like so fucking lazy. And then I saw some tweet or some Instagram comment that Selena left and she's like, you know, I'm just having fun, like making music with my friends. Like I don't care about the charts. So I was like, well, if you're making music with your friends and just whatever, doing your own thing, which I get, why would it be this fucking basic? Like you would think that if you're just doing music for you with your friends, it would be more experimental. Like when Miley Cyrus does her little creative passion projects like the dead pets album which is so twisted and insane like you listen to that and you're like i can't believe like a pop star made this album or even when she had um her trump derangement syndrome era and she did all those songs about like the patriarchy what was it um mother's daughter and she did a few it was like this ep that was her being like angry and political like you know it was kind of edgy whatever (laughs) um You would think Selena would do that if she's just doing music for her, but it's like, she's like, I'm doing music for me. And then it's like the most lamest, like, just radio fodder thing that, like, anybody could do audio jungle beats. So, she can just, like, go away. Like, you know Addison Rae. Like, Addison Rae is so much better than Selena Gomez. And I just love Addison Rae because she's so all-American. Like, she's just this all-American, like, Southern girl. She has a Britney Spears quality. She has a Sydney Sweeney quality, not in the same level of sex appeal, even though Addison Ray is like very hot to me, I think. Um, she has a, you know, she's very curvy in like a good, like natural way. Cause, you know, so many girls, it's like the Kim Kardashians and stuff, they have the Instagram curves, they have the Bronx basement cement booty that, you know, Cardi B gets and, and you know, Iggy Azalea and stuff. And it's like, no, Addison Ray has, like, real curves. She's a real Southern gal like Britney. And she embodies that kind of same thing that Sydney Sweeney has, where it's just, like, a throwback to the American girl next door. And it's like, you could be the girl next door or you could be in, like, Playboy magazine. They both have that quality to them. And, like, Sydney Sweeney's, you know, such a big deal that she kind of gets the credit for, like, leading that. But Addison Ray has that exact kind of aesthetic in her own way. It's just a little more, like, it's more wholesome. Whereas um, Sydney Sweeney's, like, more Pamela Anderson. I just think she is such a star. I think she's just gorgeous and charismatic and fun. And I just think she, like, glows on the screen. I think she has everything. And so she was meant to do an album, right? And a lot of the songs leaked online. And I've been listening to the songs, the YouTube leaks, for, like, a long since I got into her. I've listened to the songs a lot. And then her album kind of stalled because it leaked, because the song that she did that sounds like a superior Selena Gomez, the Obsessed song, that flopped. So they kind of just like put her album on the back burner. And now she's come around and she's released this EP with, you know, four of the leaked songs, four of the best ones. One of them's like an old Lady Gaga demo that she recorded. And it's getting like rave reviews from, you know, 
the Twitter gays, like the Twitter people and the music critics. So they're both on the same page. So like Pitchfork and all of these other outlets are like, Addison Rae's bringing pure pop back. And like, that's what all the Twitter gays are saying too. Oh my God, this is so great. It's just real classic pop. Cause it is, it's like very formulaic, like bubblegummy type pop. It's not pretentious. It's not trying to like, you know, be anything like hip and cool. Like it's a literally just like dance pop songs. Now, I can't believe everyone's getting on the bandwagon with her now when it's like, she's been doing this for years. Like, when she came out with the Selena Gomez song, you guys ripped her to shreds and said she was, like, the worst ever. And then these songs that are on her EP, they've been leaked on YouTube for, like, years. Like, I've been listening to them for so long. And you all just treated her like she was trash. And now, all of a sudden, she's, like, the savior of pop music. Like, people are just so fucking late to everything. The same thing happened with Heidi Montag. I was the OG Heidi Montag music career stand, like legit. Like when I back in my blogging days was when Heidi was doing her um doing her music stuff and I was like championing her when I tell you she was the Heidi Montag was considered the biggest joke on the internet with her music career. Like people were like vicious to her. I mean way worse than they've been to Addison Rae. Like, people just, like, tore her apart. And now her debut album, Superficial, is, like, this cult pop classic. It's been written up in, like, you know, you know, kind of credible, you know, like, Dazed and other magazines, like that interview magazine, I think, may have mentioned it. Like, it gets mentioned here and there. People, like, reference it. It's kind of, like, a seen as, like, a cool concept album of, like, the 2000s because it's called Superficial. It sounds, like, very artificial. Like, the whole album, Heidi's voice is completely auto-tuned to, like, Oblivion. And all of the dance beats sound like they were made on a laptop. And it came out when she got all of her plastic surgery. So, it works as, like, this larger art project. People love it now. But, of course, at the time, they hated it. And they look back, oh, my God, you know, it's so good. Because, like, Heidi spent millions of dollars on it famously, And she just worked with, like, all of the hot producers that were doing all the hot music at the time. So, it was like, you guys like these songs when the credible pop girls... It's the same with, like, Addison Rae, right? Well, you like these songs when Selena Gomez does it, but then when Addison Rae does it, you hate it. The same thing happened to Heidi Montag. Okay, well, you like it when Britney does it, but when Heidi Montag does it because you don't see her as, like, talented or whatever, now you hate it. So... The same things happened to Addison. Now, there's this big critical reevaluation with her. People are calling her the savior of pop. You know, I wouldn't go that far because there are other girls, pop girls, that make this kind of, like, pure pop music. So, Ava Max does it. Um, Kim Petras does it. Like, I mean, Kim Petras is, like, hit or miss. Uh, Slater does it. Like, there's a, there's a few of these girls that do it. The difference with Addison Rae compared to these other girls is that like, like I said, Addison Ray has, she has appeal to like straight people as well. She has like broad appeal. She has all American appeal for everyone. All of these other girls like Kim Petras and Ava Max, no one except like dumb fags that are putting on their like Jeffree Star lip gloss and like drinking a protein shake before they go out to like the gay dance club in like WeHo. Like they're the only ones listening to that. That's why those girls stay at a certain level and they never get bigger, no matter how much they get pushed. Like, they are trying to push Kim Petras so much. They even put her randomly on that, like, Sam Smith song, which went, you know, number one. Horrible song. But 
that was like a global number one and they still can't make Kim Petras happen because it's like, same with Charlie XCX and like Charlie XCX's music is so good. Like she literally has like some of the best pop songs out, but it's like no one's listening to you except a bunch of gay guys. Like you've got to get, like you have to get the female vote as well. And Addison Ray has that quality where she can appeal to everyone. And when she did that Netflix movie, I was like, because I think she's from, like, Louisiana or somewhere around there. I was like, she's our new Britney. Like, she is supposed to be, I mean, no one's going to be on the level of Britney, but you know what I mean? Like, she's going to be, like, that kind of, like, relatable girl that is, like, everyone loves and it's like, you want to fuck her, but you could still be her best friend. Like, she's going to have those Britney vibes. And then her career is just, like, I don't know what's happened to it. She had all this family drama And something about her dad, I don't know, her dad was doing something dodgy. I think her mum is, I was going to say her mum's this big fame whore, but then I was like, isn't that Charlie D'Amelio's mum? Or maybe both of their mums are fame whores, I don't know. But it just got really messy with Addison, and she's like, hasn't really done anything else. Like, she hasn't done any more movies. She has some in the pipeline, but fame moves really quickly. Like, you've got to have projects out all the time. Like, so her real album never came out. She didn't do any follow-up to the Netflix things. And while she's been, like, wasting away, essentially, just going out clubbing in LA and doing God knows what, Charlie D'Amelio is, like, slowly getting bigger and bigger. Like, Charlie D'Amelio is about to do her third season of that Hulu show. And, like, Addison Rae is the one that should have the reality show. Because the thing that's funny about Charlie D'Amelio's show is it's very, like, nothing happens. Like, they're really boring, but, I mean, it's like Kardashian eyes, right? So, you know how on the Kardashians I'll just sit around the kitchen and don't do anything? That's the same as Charlie D'Amelio's show, and that kind of makes it interesting. But, like, Addison Rae's the one with this, like, you know, redneck, messy family and all this, like, drama, and I think she has, like, relationship issues and stuff. Like, she's the girl that should have the messy reality show and, like, putting it all out there, but she hasn't done it. So, I feel like Charlie D'Amelio is, like, you know, like, Addison Ray was the original big star, but, like, Charlie D'Amelio is, like, gaining on her now. But we could be getting a turnaround with Addison because, you know, the EP is getting rave reviews. Like, suddenly people have decided that they're allowed to like Addison Ray now. It's like, I've been telling y'all, it's just... Why do you have to like the people when it's too late, when things are slipping away? But I googled Addison anyway, and- Oh, she lost her makeup line, by the way. She had a makeup deal with, like, Sephora, and I think they dropped it. So, it's like, damn, like, Addison, girl, you were, like, on top of the world for a minute, and, like, what's happening? But- We could be on the cusp of a comeback because she has a few movies coming out and I think her career is going to hinge on if these movies do well. So, they're kind of a big deal. She has a horror movie with Eli Roth. Eli Roth did like Hostel and Cabin Fever. I love Eli Roth. Like, I'm a super fan. So, I'm going to love that. Like, Addison Rae and Eli Roth, are you kidding me? But like, just because I like the Eli Roth movie, Addison Rae needs to be bigger than an Eli Roth movie. Like, Addison Rae needs to be Jessica Simpson, you know, during, like, the Jessica Simpson collection era and newlyweds and stuff. Like, Addison Rae needs to be at that level. So, I don't know if an Eli Roth movie is going to do it, but she's also just joined some movie with Ryan Reynolds, Jason Momoa, Vince Vaughn, and Aubrey Plaza. Like, that's a big... That's a big cast. So, I don't know how big her role in it is. Like, I don't know if she's just playing, like, random hot girl number seven with, like, one line. I'm not sure, but that's a big deal. And they wrote it up in Deadline. And this Deadline article, it sounds like 
her PR wrote it. So, I don't know. I want to get excited by this article because it's so glowingly positive to Addison, but I'm also like, I don't know. I feel like I have a good gauge on who's hot and who's not and, you know, who's getting publicity and stuff just through my job. And I've I've been feeling like Addison's not the hot thing on the block anymore. But listen to this Deadline article. Ray has been very busy as of late, most recently landing one of the lead roles of Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. The part was one of the more sought-after roles for any up-and-coming actress in town, with Ray blowing away Roth during her first audition. The film is set to bow this Thanksgiving, with TriStar Pictures also producing, and insiders say the film is seen as a potential franchise for the studio for years to come. Ray recently signed a massive multi-million dollar deal with Netflix that rivals any major A-listers overall packed at the streamer. Given her global influencer... Given her global influencer due to her massive... They, they misspelled that. That's not me fucking it up. Given her global influencer... Okay, mess. They mean influence. Given her global influence due to her massive TikTok following, which has more than 80 million followers, more and more companies see her as having an immediate impact on the projects they're developing at their companies. Following the success of her breakout Netflix pick, He's All That, studios have been lining up to get in business with the rising star and a scream queen role like the one in Thanksgiving is the exact kind of role she's been keeping an eye out for. Like, did a deadline journalist, like, who wrote this? Like, that sounds like her PR sent that to deadline. Or maybe it's some gay guy that wrote it that's just like, he's like me, like some gay fan of Addison Ray that's trying to, like, make her, like, just make her seem like she's bigger than she is and, like, manifest her success. I don't know, but look, I'm all for it. I'm all for, like, Addison's A-list actress era. Her EP is good. Um, it's not the savior of pop music. Like people, again, people are overselling it. Like Ava Max has done this. Like Kim Petras has done, like a lot of girls have like done this. So she's not the only one. It's also not as good as new jeans. What like what new jeans are doing in pop music is so next level. Like new jeans, the K-pop group, they are like so far ahead of every bitch in the game. Like their last EP, um, it's called get up and it's all like UK garage music, but like, it's mixed in such a di- the way they do it is so different and the tracks are interesting because like some of the songs are really short they're like tiktok length songs but then they've got like normal pop songs in there as well that album that ep that they did is so good that it makes k it makes all k-pop music seem way overproduced because the new jeans all the new jeans music kind of has like a lo-fi indie quality to it, even though it's like very produced pop music, but there's always something like lo-fi and a little like different about it. And then by comparison, it makes normal K-pop music sound just, which it is manufactured, but you like hear how manufactured it is compared to what new jeans are doing. And then compared to like Western pop music. So what the American girls are doing, they just seem so fucking boring compared to, um, what new jeans are doing. So it's like new jeans, the way that pop music, the pyramid right now, new jeans are on the top. Then all these other bitches are like down the bottom, like fighting for food scraps. Um, and Taylor Swift is Michael Jackson, obviously. I mean, I wanted to talk about that, but I've been running too long, but also like, what is there to say? She's literally Michael Jackson famous. Now, anyone that denies that is delusional. And like, I'm not even a fan of her, but 
the success of this Eras tour, I've never seen anything like this. Literally, I've not seen anything like this since, you know, Michael Jackson. You look at those old clips of Michael Jackson during his, like, peak where people, like, flooding the streets and stuff. That's what is happening with Taylor Swift right now. I mean, did you see her go to Jack Antonoff's wedding? And it got, like, mobbed. Like, people were, like, down the streets. Like, it's out of control. I can't believe it. I mean... I drove past a bunch of girls the other day, and I think they were dressed up in Taylor Swift outfits, like, standing on the- like, in my little town, standing on the street, like, singing to her songs. Like, everyone I know is scrambling for tickets. I've never seen a scramble for tickets for any concert ever. Like, this uh, far eclipses, you know, when Adele did her residency, and that was the hot thing to get tickets for that. Like, this is nuts. Truly, truly Michael Jackson level. People, like- get so angry. I saw people on Instagram, she's not as talented as Michael Jackson. Who said she's as talented as Michael Jackson? We said she's Michael Jackson level famous. Like, they want to bring up like, well, Michael Jackson was the best dancer. Did I say Taylor Swift's a better dancer than Michael Jackson? I said she's as famous as Michael Jackson, which she is. And people have this, like, someone messaged me going, um, no, Taylor's like local in America, like, Beyonce's bigger. Beyonce? Um, Beyonce's not bigger than Taylor Swift. That's delusional. Like, yeah, maybe Beyonce's bigger in, like, Brazil or something. Honey, globally, Taylor Swift is bigger. Taylor Swift is bigger than Beyonce in Australia, UK, Asia, America, like, Taylor Swift's it, okay? Beyonce can have Brazil. Like, go go to a Brazil girl. Anyway, um, that's it. And thanks for listening. And, oh, yeah, I have a new Patreon. It's got a lot of Bravo stuff, as usual. I should have plugged that earlier. Damn it. Because um, no one's going to be listening this long. But I did a big Patreon, all the Bravo, some tea on Below Deck, talking about Housewives of Atlanta, talking about Roni, talking about Jessel on Roni, talking about the OC talking about some personal stuff in my life, all of that. Thanks, guys. Bye.